Goff's three minutes. Your story. Cause knowledge is. Ever since the written word was created, there's been a desire to, to collect words. And today, in an ever-growing world of digital literacy, we sometimes forget the cornerstone of literature and public knowledge, the library. Now, if a library is a collection of written works, then the first library we have knowledge of dates all the way back to the third millennium BC to a temple in the town of Nippur in ancient Babylon. It was stocked full of clay tablets. The Assyrian king Ashurbanipal Ashur in the 7th century BC had 25,000 tablets of texts and manuscripts from around his kingdom. Unfortunately, libraries are many times a casualty of war. Victors often purge historical records and texts of their conquered enemies, especially those that cast them in possibly a poor light. In China, the Qin dynasty destroyed all the records when they rose to power so that history began with them. During the French Revolution, peasants rose up and burned records of their serfdom during the Great Fear, erasing their debt. And Hitler famously burned all history, literature, and art that was in any way Jewish. Now the first institutional library was based in Athens, Greece, in their school of philosophy. Aristotle had a large collection of works set up for scientific research. It ended up being carried off to Rome as a spoil of war in 86 BC. And private libraries become a large status symbol in classical Rome. Julius Caesar planned a public library and began its preparation, but it was completed shortly following his death. Roman historian Pliny the Elder said of the library, Ingenia hominum rem publicum fecit, which, if you don't speak Latin, means he made men's talents a public possession. A great summation of the purpose of a library, I believe. Religion also played a role. As Muslim territory began to expand, they pushed literacy to read and adhere to the Quran as a staple in their growing religious movement. European monasteries housed libraries for scripture and related texts, while universities began housing libraries as well. Since all literature was handwritten at this time, and thus very expensive, books were too expensive for the common man and only available to a select few. This changes in 1440 when Johann Gutenberg invents the printing press making available books at a price where people could start buying them. Example, a Gutenberg Bible could be bought for three years wages, which is still considered an incredible deal for the day. In the 18th century, private collectors in Europe and America began assimilating into national libraries. In these li initial libraries, books were chained to the shelves so that people wouldn't steal them. The French lawyer later changed the game forever when he began standing books up with their spines sticking out from the shelves, as we see today. In 1831, Sir Anthony Panisi became the British Museum's librarian and set in place a plan to show the potential of modern community libraries as a center of the community and instruments of study and research available to all. The first modern public library in North America was the Peterborough Town Library in Peterborough, New Hampshire in 1833. And we would be amiss if we were talking about libraries and not mentioning arguably the most famous library builder there was. Steel magnate and Scottish immigrant Andrew Carnegie grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and worked for a telegraph company whose boss would open his library to his workers on Saturdays. To young Carnegie, this provided an opportunity for young men like himself to acquire knowledge and improve themselves. And thus, when he becomes a multi-millionaire and the richest man in the world, he set out to offer the same opportunities to the working public. 
1883 to 1929, he personally financed over 2,509 libraries around the world, including 1,689 in the United States. His only requirement, that the communities they were built in agreed to pay for operating costs to ensure that they had some skin in the game and to ensure they'd take some responsibility. Today, public libraries are in nearly every community and provide access to literature, internet, offers a gathering place, and Unfortunately, in an increasing digital age, becoming taken for granted. Our local library, Dorby Woodyard Li Memorial Library, whose website I will post in the show notes, offers a myriad of different options that are largely unknown to the public. We view it as just a book storage facility. Our library is unique in that it serves as both a public library and Ward County High School's school library. Some of the library's offerings include an entire section on local history, Story Hour every Monday for young children, fax and copy services, free Wi-Fi, a makerspace including a cricket and heat press, conference room, rotary services, and one of my personal favorites, Interlibrary Loan, where you can request a book that the library doesn't have and they can rent it from another library, so to speak, and have it shipped there for pickup. So whether you are near or far away, I encourage you to go investigate your local library and see what services there are and what adventure awaits. You might be surprised what doors will open for you. Class dismissed. This podcast written, produced, and narrated by Isaac Goff in wild, wonderful Ward County, West Virginia. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs>